When we heard that uh, First Norfolk would be opening a second campus, uh, and we heard that it was going to be in this building, um, it was really a uh, kind of a, a aha moment. We've basically taken and, and created a new church, same same community, same church, but but a different location, and and that's that's been a really amazing kind of journey to be on for the first year. Yeah. While it is a little bit of a different feel than Kempsville, there's still the sense of community. There's still the sense of family. There's still the sense of um, worshiping with people that love God and love others and to do that and to be part of that while scary has been greatly beneficial I would say for our family and certainly for us. churches okay but I didn't get what the thing was until I came here is when I found out like what church is about it's just God spreading the word have a dream of starting 10 locations in the next decade. This is the first of that dream for a decade that we've seen God bring to fruition. What a dream it is, isn't it church? What a joy it is. God has done amazing things at First Norfolk, uh, and he has done that amazing thing here at First Norfolk on Volvo, and we're so thankful for you and uh, your commitment to be here and to join us on this journey here uh, at First Norfolk on Volvo. Uh, we are excited about what God is doing. I want to take just a moment uh, and uh, and uh, the folks at uh, First Norfolk on Kempsville are watching us, so do what, do, welcome them. Uh, as we do this, I I, I know that it, it's bad camera stuff, but I wanted to I wanted to give you an opportunity, just uh, a few brief moments to share what First Norfolk on Volvo has meant to you. Is there? someone who would like to share the difference that this location has made for you or for your family uh, or what it means to you. Any, anybody would like to share? Uh, anyone? 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 Bueller? 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 All right, Mark. Come on up here. Uh, come on. All right, um, my wife... Rebecca and I, uh, we appreciate the, the community. This has been uh, 
You know, we have, we have sought that for, uh, for a period of time. We seek that in church, and, and we have loved the community, particularly our community, of the, of the young adults, uh, the 20-year-olds. Um, the, the men and women who are part of that group have, have impacted our life in a great way, and we, we love the fellowship that we've had with them through the leading and through the, the shepherding of Gary and, uh, and, and just being part of their life. Yeah, you pretty much said it all, but I just really want to echo that because it really, it's, I can't even explain how we've really grown in our faith over the last six months to a year, mm-hmm. and that really has been because we feel like we're being used by God right now and being able to pour in, but when you pour into people, you get so much more back, too, and Gary said today that leaders are readers and readers are leaders, so when you read God's Word and you stay in God's Word and you're leading people, you're growing in your faith. And we've just witnessed that happening in our own lives, so we thank you. Thank you, Mark. Back up. How about the Furleys? Aren't we thankful for them? Doing a great job. Anybody else want to share what, uh, anything about First Norfolk on Volvo? Anyone else? Well, come on. You've got to do it for everyone, because if you do it down there, nobody will be able to hear you and see you and I just want to say that I'm Haley's mom I live outside of Memphis and so I feel like first Norfolk on the Volvo Volvo location is my home when I'm when I'm here and I just want to say that the outpouring of love to the military families I mean it just does this mama good and our family good to know that my family is loved on 900 miles away from home and I want to thank Gary and everybody that has an influence and you on my family yeah. from here. All, all the way from, from uh, the, the western part of the greatest state in the Union. <laughs> Tennessee, right? Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else want to share? All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. So yeah, I actually came here uh, last year-ish. Um, I started coming to First Norfolk for grief share for my soon-to-be ex-wife, but we're not going to talk about her. Um, love her to death. Put her under grace. Um, and so I met you guys through uh, Steve and Jeanette Stallings. And then when she asked me for a divorce, I met Gary, who uh, at that time uh, was probably like the lowest point in my life. And uh, over the course of the next nine months, uh, I have found a new family that mm-hmm. has honestly put me under love and just, I, I really can't say enough thank yous to you guys, all of you, for everything that you've brought me through. You guys really grabbed me and then just pulled me through the mud and loved me when I couldn't love myself. So thank you guys. Good work. Good work. Come on. I still have to preach now. Oh, you're fine. You just. Okay, I used to go to um, First Baptist Kimsville, um, but when the construction got over there, it got a little confusing. And, and you had said invite people to the um, Easter thing. And the, we live right up the street from here, so I invited my daughter and all. She said, We got to go way out there. <laughs> And so that, I said, well, well, let's try that. I've never been to it. I've heard about it. And when we came, you're right. Everyone is so kind here, so 
wonderful. You just don't want to leave. And that's what happened to me. I just didn't want to leave. And so I remained here and um, met Jean and Cheryl, who invited me to the life group. So I was so happy to be. Every, everything in here, if you don't belong to a part of it, you're invited. And they, I mean, you learn a lot from being in every place that you do join in. You really grow. I love that about being here, is that I'm growing. I mean, I, I had a one, Van Rose was my teacher yeah. there, and yeah. I had a wonderful time there. But um, I have been through some things and um, just couldn't make it here, there. So in, in, in all of my journey, I have been welcomed here. I have, been, I have learned a lot here, and I have grown here. So I give God praise that, um, that you all started the Volvo location. Amen. So Amen. I, I, I thank you, Pastor, thank for all you. that. Oh, that's great. Yo, awesome. All right. All right. We have time for one more. Any, anyone else? Come along. Come along. They let you out of your cage. Now you got to talk. but I do want to say something uh, real quick. Hi, my name is Steve. Um, Hi, Steve. I've been coming um, to First Norfolk since 2013. That's when I joined the Navy. And the Navy sent me out to Norfolk. Um, and this is where I met my beautiful wife, Danielle. But um, I just wanted to say that coming here, it's just incredible to see how far that we've come. Um, and I've met so many wonderful people when every one of you have just welcomed me with arms wide open. And I, my mission every day is to go out and invite people and do the same because I tell them, when I, when I first got there, you're going to meet so many people that just welcome you in with that. With, doesn't matter like what's going on in your life or anything like that. And I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you. My, you put it down. My reference to Steve being in the cage was that he plays the drums, so he was in the cage. And... Uh, uh, well, it, it's obvious that First Norfolk uh, has experienced great blessing uh, for what God is doing here, bringing new families, uh, hundreds, hundreds of new faces and new people walking through this location uh, over the last 12 months. It's been an amazing journey, uh, but the journey is just beginning, and God has even greater things in store. Uh, so we want to celebrate that. Well, uh, let's uh, turn in our copy of Scripture to 1 Samuel chapter 1. While you're turning there, remind you uh, that we pray together at 1 o'clock for one minute every day as a church. Uh, we, as First Norfolk, commit ourselves to pray 1 o'clock for one thing uh, for one minute every day, the 111. And I want to invite you to join me this week in praying for the one thing for one minute at one o'clock that we've been praying for since uh, 2019 began. Uh, and that is for that one person who is far from God that, that's in the sphere of our influence that God has put in our path. Uh, will you pray for that one person that you would know who it is and that God would give you the courage to build bridges into their lives to help them See the greatness of a loving God who sent Jesus to die for their sin and bring them new life. Uh, will you join me in praying for that one person and believing that God will take this journey over these next 12 months with you and that one person 
uh, and lead that person who is far from God to find new life in Jesus Christ. So that's our 111 this week. Also, uh, we've started a, a journey together of memorizing Scripture. And uh, this past week, we memorized together as a church John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Uh, so will you join me, whichever location you're at, will you join me in reciting John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 together? Everybody stand, uh, all locations, everyone stand, and let's recite John 3, 16 and 17 together. Are you ready? Are you ready? For For to con, but that through him, that's great. John three sixteen and seventeen. That's great. Give yourselves a hand. Awesome. Go ahead and be seated. Uh, next week, if you get one of these little cards, be sure and get this. Uh, next week is Psalm chapter sixteen, uh, verse eleven, and this is what that passage says: "You show me." the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a great promise about our relationship with God. Uh, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, verse 11. Next week, we'll recite that one together, okay? Ready, church? Okay. All right, well, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're beginning a new series called Prayer. And if you remember, we've been looking at uh, the church, and we've discovered the beauty of the church. Jesus, by His grace, through His love, established the church and made for Himself a beautiful or a glorious bride. Uh, but we also recognize that there is uh, a distance between the beauty that Jesus has called us, the beauty that he's made us to be without blemish or spot, and the blemish that we have in our life. All of us uh, and our church, we have this blemish. And so our journey every time we get together and, and through our small groups, our life groups, uh, on campus, off campus, every time we gather together here for this gathering, it's an opportunity for us to diminish the blemish of our lives and our church so that we become uh, or we uh, embrace the beauty that we are as followers of Christ. So diminishing the blemish means that we're uh, dealing with our sin and we're dealing with our, our, our uh, struggles with uh, uh, the ways of, uh, of life that are against what God desires for us. And so we want to diminish the blemish and discover the beauty of the church and of life as a follower of Jesus. Well, today we begin this journey in prayer so that we can discover the power to diminish the blemish. You see, prayer is an instrument, a, a, a conversation that God has allowed us to have to give us power in everyday life and power as a church to diminish the blemish and to live in the beauty that Jesus has made us to be. Uh, a theologian of days past, a guy named D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said it this way. He said, prayer is beyond any question 
the highest activity of the human soul. Prayer is, beyond any question, the highest activity of the human soul. What makes prayer the highest activity of our lives? Well, I think a definition of prayer is going to help us with that. Prayer, defined, is simply uh, an open, honest, intimate conversation with God. Prayer is an intimate, honest conversation with God. So uh, this is what makes prayer uh, the, the highest delight and joy and privilege and duty of the human soul. It's that we have the privilege of an intimate conversation with the living God who created all things. Prayer is not flowery words or phrases, not something that happens only in a church. It's, it's not what preachers do only. Uh, it's not what we find in a book of common prayer alone. Prayer at its root, at its core, the way Jesus did it, we'll look at this in a few weeks, prayer is an intimate, honest conversation with the living God. So you and I, we find power in life not from the words of our praying, but from our time spent with God himself. Prayer is an intimate, honest conversation with the living God. And, and that becomes even more powerful when we are living under the soul-crushing weight of disappointments and pain and obstacles and sorrows and griefs. And that's what we find with Hannah. Hannah is who we've looked at in 1 Samuel. It is the story of a young Jewish girl uh, who was married to a guy named Elkanah. Weird name, but that was his name. A guy named Elkanah, and she could not have any children. And so her heart was broken, and her life uh, seemed out of sync and out of sorts because of her infertility. Today, we're not going to talk uh, at length about her infertility, although that is a different sermon altogether. Uh, I want us to lean into uh, her approach uh, to the soul-crushing pain in her life. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and look, beginning uh, in verse 8. Okay, So then Elkanah, Hannah's husband, said to her, Hannah... Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Here's the question. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Come on, man. That's a come on, man. He would say, he would say Hannah, here I am. What more could you ever want? And Hannah was thinking, a lot more than you, buddy. Right? <laughs> A typical male response, am I, not not, am I not enough? And, and the answer was, no, you're not. Verse 9, so Hannah arose uh, after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, was the, uh, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, 
If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth and and Hannah spoke in her heart, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard and Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate again. And her face was no longer sad. Uh, We, like Hannah, live uh, in the tension between what we desire and what we don't get. The tension between what we think we should have and what is far from us. The tension between uh, our grand dreams and ideas about our life and our reality. All of us, everyone here, we live in that kind of tension. Uh, We long for certain things and we pursue certain things, but sometimes we don't get those things that we're pursuing. Uh, For Hannah, it was a male child. And she was broken inside uh, over her inability uh, to have a baby boy. Well, as we live in that tension, like Hannah lived in that tension, the, the, the question then comes, how do we deal with that tension? See, the tension is part of life. Every single one of us here are going to deal with the disappointments. All of us are going to deal with the overwhelming sense of anguish and pain. Some of us have to deal with the things that literally will crush us. How do you deal with it? What we learn from Hannah and what I pray we we learn today and put into practice in our lives is that when we meet soul-crushing pain with prayer, then God provides soul-satisfying grace for us. Now, this is the promise, and I want to be clear about the promise that God makes through Scripture. You see, sometimes He doesn't provide the male child. I know that doesn't come off very good sometimes when we're in today's culture. Sometimes God doesn't give us exactly what we're praying for. sometimes, Sometimes He doesn't give us the promotion. Sometimes He doesn't give us our orders, the place where we want to be. Sometimes we're faced with the overwhelming, soul-crushing disappointments. Sometimes people don't treat us the way we want them to. It's in those moments that we must meet our pain with prayer. Because God's promise is he may not give us exactly what we want, but he will give us exactly what we need. See, our confidence in this moment 
is found uh, not in our doing good or our doing less bad. Our confidence is found not in uh, the, the, the grandiose prayers that we pray or the, or, or the, uh, the places we go or the people we see. Our, our, our confidence in the face of soul-crushing pain is the power of a God who has loved us so much that he has sent Jesus to us. Now, here's the connection between Jesus and prayer. I mentioned it a few moments ago in Galatians chapter, six, uh, chapter 4, uh, where uh, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, at just the right time, so that he might rescue us who are under the law, uh, so that he might adopt us into his family as sons and daughters. And if Indeed, we are sons and daughters of the Most High. Then God has poured the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. What does that mean? It means that because of what Jesus has done, He has broken through the barrier of our sin into the very Holy of Holies, and He has paved the way for us to follow Him into the very presence of of God. You see, you and I, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, if indeed the sacrifice of Christ on a cross has been paid for you and you have received it through repentance of sin and faith in Christ, then you today have immediate access to the very presence of God. You don't need a priest named Eli and you don't need a place called the tabernacle in Shiloh. You are here today living in the intimate presence of the living God, all because of Jesus. Seeing then that we have such a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens, let's hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but he was tested in every point, even as we are, yet he never sinned. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might find the grace and the mercy that will help us at just the right time for our need. You see, the promise of Scripture is that God in His great love sees you exactly where you are and knows you exactly the way you are. And He loves you so much that He desires to give you that which will fill your soul with satisfaction every day. The challenge, though, is that sometimes what He gives us the grace that he provides, sometimes it's not specifically what we're asking for. Sometimes it's something significantly different, but our confidence remains. Our confidence is not what we receive in our hands. Our confidence is in the giver who gives the grace. Our confidence is in the one who has given us himself. Hannah came to the temple, and as she came to the temple, she uh, began her prayer, and, and she made her vow, and, and look at verse 11. She was in anguish of heart, but verse 11, she said, O Lord of hosts. Now, that is a specific name for the living God, Lord of hosts. This is the name of the God who is omnipotent and and, and, and uh, uh, loving so that he delivers his people from the plight in which they find themselves. This is the God who is looking over you. This is the God who cares for you. It is the Lord of hosts. He is the one who parted Red Seas and, and uh, brought water out of a rock. 
and the one who fed his people with manna from heaven and quail for food. He, this is the God who parted the Jordan River and tore down the walls of Jericho as the people walked around singing songs of praise to him. This is the God who killed Goliath with a smooth stone from the sling of a young shepherd boy named David. This is the Lord of hosts. This is the Lord of hosts who is at work on your behalf, intimately hearing your cries for help and moving with great power on your behalf. This is who we have confidence in. It's the God who has loved us. You see, prayer is not powerful because the words that we say or the place that we are. Prayer is powerful because the one to whom we are praying. He is the Lord of hosts. If you flip on over to chapter 2, you look at verses uh, 2 and 3. This is the song of Hannah. The song of her rejoicing. And and she says, uh, no one is holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by him our actions are weighed. So in verse 2, God, not, not only is he the Lord of hosts, he is the rock. That is a picture of God being the place of refuge and strength for us. It goes on in verse 3, he says that he is the God of knowledge. God's knowledge and understanding of you and me is perfect in every way. God knows you. He knows you from inside to out. He knows your heart. He knows your hurt. He knows your cares. He knows your concerns. On top of that, God is the God of perfect knowledge. He understands where you've been. He understands where you are. He understands where you're going. On top of that, he understands where everybody else has been, where everybody else is, and where everybody else is going. On top of that, he understands the top to the bottom, the, 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 the east from the west, the inside from the out. He knows everything. And because he loves you, he will answer you exactly the way you need. See, God doesn't answer according to our wants. He answers according to what is best for us. That's why we must profess our confidence in him. That's why we must declare, my confidence is in the living God. He loves me. He's provided rescue for me. He's brought me as part of his family, not because I deserved it, just because he loves me. And because he is the God who knows perfectly, and because he is the God who sees perfectly and cares perfectly, I can trust him. And do you trust the living God? See, if we're going to pray with power, if we're going to pray and experience the provision of God, we need to pray professing our confidence in him. Oh, Lord of hosts. God understands. Yep. My girls come uh, and, and they cry out, Oh, Daddy, uh, I need your help. My first response, historically and at the best of me, not always, but historically and at the best of me, when they say, Daddy, I need help, my first response normally is, Okay, what do you need? Here I am. I'm ready. And sometimes they've asked for help with homework and stuff. And uh, it is my great delight as a dad who loves my daughters 
uh, to hear their requests and help for homework, and I have no idea what the answer is. And it may be a question about gender studies. Oh, let me just say, I don't know all there is to know about gender studies, but here's what I do know. There is a boy and there is a girl. That's about it. That's about all I got. By the way, that was a deep theological statement, and y'all will pick that up later. Uh, if, if they ask me about math, I don't even try to fake it. I have no idea. But my heart longs to help. That's what my heart longs to do. I want to help. And sometimes I fall short just because I don't have all the knowledge that I need. It's not that way with God. You see, when it comes to God, we pour out our heart of hurt, that soul-crushing pain and disappointment and grief in our soul. We pour that out to the living God, and you know what his answer is? I see I understand it perfectly, and I'm going to give you the grace that you need that will help you at just the perfect way. Is your confidence in God like that? See, Hannah, she was, she, she was asking big because she knew she was serving a big God. And she trusted that God would give her the answer that she needed. We profess our confidence in God. Uh, but, but secondly, we see that power of prayer is amplified with humility. It's amplified with humility. I, I want you to go back, chapter 1, verse 11. Listen to what Hannah calls herself over and over and over again. She says, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. And remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Maidservant is a big word. It, it's Hannah recognizing where she stood in relationship to God. She was servant to him. And she was declaring and, and, and confessing her submission to God. See, in prayer, we need to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. He's in charge and we're not. And so we're going to follow him in what he provides. We're going to trust that he is going to lead us in a perfect way and that he is going to provide exactly what we need to give us the grace and the mercy that will help us. And you know, we, we must confess our submission to him. And can I just humbly suggest that one of the reasons we lack joy as followers of Jesus, even in, in, in urgent prayer, one of the reasons we miss celebration in, in praying is because we are happy to profess our confidence in God until it means our submission to the leadership of God. If we're going to experience a life that is satisfying even under the weight of soul-crushing circumstances, then we must say, God, I submit to you. Here I am, your servant. We see this again in verse 3 of chapter 2. Hannah says, no one, uh, talk no more so very 
proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. That's pretty good instruction for us when it comes to praying for provision. It's not, God, you do this for me or else you cease to become God. But rather, it is, God, would you do this for me because you are God? But whatever you do, I submit myself to you. I lay my life in your hands. This is what produces the result of professing and confessing. The result for Hannah was joy. The result of praying uh, is joy for Hannah. Now, you might say joy. Well, of course she had joy. She got a son. She got her son, but you see what she did. Her vow was, Lord, if you give me a son, I give him back to you immediately. I, 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 it's not about the son as much as about God, you gaining greater glory, and, 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 and this is uh, my participation in your great plan. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing, and Lord, this is what I see you doing. And God said, okay, I'll give you a son. But like I said before, sometimes God doesn't give us a son. When I was a teenager, just got my driver's license, uh, I wanted a car. And so I said, you know, uh, Dad, I, I want a car. And he said, well, you know, you got to work and you got to buy you a car. I said, well, I've, I've been working, I've been saving, but I don't have enough money for a car. And Dad said, okay, uh, well, uh, until you get enough money for a car, you're not getting a car. You know, it's just that simple. I was hoping I would, uh, you know, egg him on into uh, go ahead and making up the difference. So, Dad, would you get me a car? And he, he was like, well, no. And, and so, uh, and, and I, like, I like answers like this, straight uh, to the point. But then he said, but here's what I'll do. I'll take you wherever you want to go. I'll take you to school. I'll take you to work. I'll, I'll, I'll take you on your dates. <laughs> if you ever get one. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, he, said, uh, he said, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. And you, you, can, uh, you, you can come with me, too. Uh, wherever I go, you, you can come with me. And, and so for the next several weeks, we would uh, get in the car in the morning, and he would take me to school. Um, and then he would come, he'd pick me up, and he'd take me to his work. And, 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 and those, those drives to different places uh, were great. I, I got to listen to my dad's music. It was great. It really wasn't too bad. I, he likes the Everly Brothers. I don't know. Yeah, you look at it, Google it. Uh, Everly Brothers, not bad. You know, he, he, he liked them. So uh, that's about all I'll say about his music. But that, that, that was it. And, and plus, it was only an AM radio. You really couldn't, couldn't get too much out of that anyway. So uh, we listened to his music. But more than that, he began to share life with me in ways that we hadn't before, having conversations with me about my insecurities or my fears, about my confusion, about chaos in my relationships. I began to have conversations about uh, him and me and what it meant to be a dad and a son together. And can I tell you, even after I got my car, I missed those drives with my dad because... The joy was not really eventually the car that I got. The joy of that journey was being in the presence of my father. 
I think that maybe what we need to learn when it comes to praying is that real power in prayer, the real joy in prayer is not what we get at the end in tangible results, but rather it's being in the presence of God himself. After all, that's what Jesus did when he, when he entered behind the veil and he sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could enter behind the veil and come into the holiest of holies and be in the presence of God. He was just saying Jesus, Jesus died on a cross and was raised from the dead to open the way so that we could be in the presence of God. It's what we're memorizing this week in Psalm 16 verse 11. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So often we miss the joy of everyday life because we're looking for that thing, that car. But God wants us to learn through a life of prayer that what we really need is the joy of his presence in our everyday life. Do you know that the power you and I need doesn't come from getting what we want, but the power that we need comes from growing intimately and personally with the living God. God wants you to grow up. And he wants you to find joy as you grow up. He wants me to grow up. And he wants me to find joy as I grow up. But that happens as I pray, as I have an honest, intimate conversation with him each day. And I enjoy the drive with my father. Hannah experienced great joy. You look at verse 1. says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. I think that's key for us. You want to find joy? Even under the weight of soul-crushing pain, can you have joy? Yes. Through prayer. Because in that praying, God meets us with the grace that we need. The grace of his very presence to produce joy in our hearts. So in the final analysis, here's what I just kind of leave you with. Stop looking for what you can get from God. Because he's already given you the very best. He's given you himself. And what prayer does is it connects us with him so that we have all we need or could ever really want because we have God driving our car as we listen to his words of life.